Hello and welcome to Beyond Networking, the show where we help you build a sustainable career and a meaningful life with the power of human connection. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and this week I've got a rant for you, so buckle up. A performing artist I'm connected with on social media recently shared a screenshot of a local entertainment venue's social media post. So local entertainment venue, they made a social media post, my connection shared this. And the post was the entire summer lineup for their like free summer series. Uh, Essentially, it had all the dates like June 18th, June 25th, July 9th, July 16th. And next to each one for the whole summer, it said what type of entertainment it was. So it was like magician, cyclist, musician, balloonist, juggler, that kind of a thing, which, um, by the way, balloonist, particularly funny because really what they meant was balloon artist, not a balloonist. I'm just imagining somebody floating away like like with up, like with the house and up with the balloons. Anyway, doesn't matter. The point is, this performing artist I know, he was outraged. In his view, it was disrespectful not to use each entertainer's name and instead listing generic titles like magician or juggler or balloonist. And the comment section agreed. This was a scandal. It was completely unacceptable behavior on behalf of the venue. Because, of course, the commenters were all artists. Now, despite being an artist myself, I don't see it that way. And in this episode, I'm going to make a case for when and why a venue has good reasons to leave out an artist's name. And perceptive listeners will quickly recognize this is a discussion about marketing, not about magicians, jugglers, or entertainment venues. And one really important note, I'm not merely playing devil's advocate, as I was aggressively accused of in that thread and in much more colorful language. So to see why I'm cutting against the grain with all of my artist friends, let's take off our artist's hat and put on our marketer's cap instead. Seth Godin taught me that as a marketer, you've got to answer two simple questions. Who is this piece of marketing intended to serve or who's it for? And what action or change are you trying to bring about in those people? In other words, what's it for? Who's it for? And what's it for? The problem with trying to generate buzz, trying to get people in the door, trying to get them to buy into your idea, to want to spend their time or their money on you is it's a self-serving perspective. That's all about what you want. But marketing isn't for you. It's for them. And they rarely, if ever, have the same interests, wants, needs, or beliefs that you do. This was a local venue's free summer series for young families, right? So let's think about their perspective. What does a family with young kids need to know about a free weekly family-friendly entertainment series on the lawn of a local business or shopping center. What does that family care about? Well, chances are they don't care who the performer is. They don't care about the artist's accolades or which local morning program they've been on. It's an hour of free babysitting, a distraction for the kids while the parents sit on a blanket getting a break from the chaos of parenthood. Now, my son is only nine months old, so we aren't quite the target audience here, but I have a friend who has two kids under 10 years old, and they regularly attend similar free summer events. Here's how that conversation doesn't go. I say, 
Hey, I noticed there's a free magic show on the lawn this Saturday. You want to take the kids? And they go, well, it depends. Who is it? (laughs) That is not how that conversation goes. The only thing my friend cares about is what type of entertainment it is, right? Her kids love magicians. They love jugglers. For some reason, they don't care that much for balloon twisters. I don't know. So the conversation might go, hey, I noticed there's a free show on the lawn this Saturday. You want to take the kids? Well, it depends. What is it? It's a balloon twister. Ah, no thanks. Kids aren't that into that. What about next week? Oh, next week's a juggler. Ah, fantastic. They love jugglers. Let's go to that one. Right? Putting the names of the performers wouldn't add anything. At least not on that particular post, a list of every week's type of entertainment for the entire summer series. In fact, putting their names, the entertainers' names, would get in the way of the intended marketing outcome. Listing all their names would make the post longer and harder to read while scrolling the news feed. It might make sense to include their names on a weekly post about that week's show with some more details and maybe a link to further information, but not on the post in question. Think about your local McDonald's, the one you go to occasionally when you need something quick on the way to or from work. Do you know the name of the person who cooks the food? Of course you don't. It doesn't matter because it's McDonald's. You're not looking for a special experience or you wouldn't be at McDonald's. You're looking for the same food cooked in the exact same way you've had it a million times before. When that's what you're looking for, it hits the spot. Now, there are a couple of restaurants. I actually know the name of the chef because they're a celebrity chef from, you know, the Food Network or Bravo or something. I go there not for the food, but because it's that particular chef doing his or her art. Sometimes I enjoy the meal. Sometimes I don't. That's not the point. It's not what drew me in. The kinds of entertainment venues in this social media post, they're McDonald's. They're not selling specific people. They're selling magicians, jugglers, balloonists. Now, it's clear to me why so many artists were upset and offended. Like, it's a fragile and vulnerable life. I get it. I've lived it. We build up the idea that we're unique and special to protect ourselves from judgment about our art. Except most of us are not unique or special performers. We're merely really good at what we do. One commenter said, I get called the puppet man all the time. Sometimes I'm billed as just kids entertainment. Like when my artist's hat is on, I feel for him. But when my marketer's cap is on, I ask a different question. Have you done anything, anything to warrant somebody using your name on the flyer instead of calling you the puppet man? Are you actually bringing something to the table that, if they were to use your name, would generate more interest, more excitement, more buzz? The answer is probably not. Because if you did, they would be using your name. And this is like the big secret that's not really a secret. Marketers want people to buy. Buy in whatever sense. Buy could be a free ticket, right? Buy could be coming for free. Buy could be uh, getting on board with your idea, right? I'm using buy in the loosest sense of the term. Marketers want people to buy. This venue's marketing reflects what they think is going to get more people in the door. And if they thought using your name would bring more people in, they'd be using your name. If Penn and Teller were coming to town, they wouldn't advertise magic show. They'd advertise Penn and Teller. They probably wouldn't even say it was a magic show. It wouldn't matter. The attraction is that it's Penn & Teller, regardless of what they're actually here to do. Their name sells because they are actually a unique, special experience. They're the one and only. 
and you are probably not. When I was a full-time magician, I wasn't. Not to the public, anyway. Corporate event planners the world over know my name, but local families in Connecticut, they don't. If a local entertainment venue was booking me for part of their free summer series, like using my name on their marketing would be a waste of space. All they would need to say was family-friendly magic show, and then people would show up and they'd see me. And if I was really good, maybe I could convert those people into being fans of me specifically. And then over time, by over-delivering, I would develop the kind of reputation where putting Brian Miller on the flyer would sell tickets, would bring people in. But until then, magician is fine by me. Okay, so we've identified the cause of the outrage, and we've established why it's reasonable for a local entertainment venue to advertise in this way, even when it's contrary to the wants, needs, or beliefs of the artists. But what if you're one of those artists? Surely your feelings matter, right? Well, here are three specific things you can do to remedy the situation. Number one, refuse bookings that don't honor your artistic or professional integrity. You don't like the way this venue markets their events? Don't take the gig. Number two, specify in your contract or rider precisely how you are to be promoted in exactly the language you want. You can establish before signing a contract that your name is to be used in all marketing, print and digital. And if the venue won't agree, see solution one. And finally, number three, my personal favorite. Build a following that is so strong, organizers desperately want to put your name on their marketing in order to sell more tickets or generate more excitement. I posted these three solutions in that original thread on social media, and I was subsequently accused of victim blaming. So let's be really clear. We're not talking about sexual assault. We're talking about a magician or a juggler or a balloonist being unhappy with how a local entertainment venue promotes their free summer series. You're not a victim. You're an artist. Of course, we could talk about ethics, right? Shouldn't the venue use artists' names simply because it's the right thing to do? Sure, that would be lovely, but you can't control that. You can, however, control the three specific things we just talked about. People aren't going to do what you consider respectful, right, or fair. They're going to do what they believe serves the audience, which is not you. One artist in that thread, to their credit, argued that listing each entertainer's name would actually make the acts look like known quantities, giving the entire summer series more cachet and increasing a potential attendee's interest. Now, I'm not sure I agree that's what would happen, but at least that was a marketing argument from the audience's perspective, not merely an ego boost for the artist who hopes to get visibility for themselves. As artists, we need to check our egos and remember who we are here for. As far as I'm concerned, it makes no difference to me how the audience ends up in the seats. But once they are, it's my job to deliver an outstanding, incredible, mind-blowing experience that is so good, they may even remember my name. In the words of Steve Martin, be so good they can't ignore you. And when it comes to the work of an artist, that's really the only guaranteed solution to just about everything. Be so good they can't ignore you. And the funny thing is, when you spend more time with your marketer's cap on, when you learn to see your work through the eyes of the audience instead of your ego, 
you are more likely to earn the respect that you so desperately crave as an artist. Well, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed this. If you did, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. You can go to beyondnetworkingpodcast.com, click subscribe, and sign up anywhere on your favorite podcast streaming service. Be sure to share this episode with somebody you think would benefit from hearing it. And you can always join us on humanconnection.blog for the weekly blog, where you can also sign up for the weekly newsletter. Having said all that, my name is Brian Miller. Thanks so much for sticking with me. And always remember, our work world is a shared experience. Every interaction is meaningful and every person you meet, even virtually, is important. And we'll see you soon. 